uh, Barnabas means in Hebrew and Greek, son of encouragement. As a matter of fact, Barnabas was the man who accompanied Saul on his, on his first missionary journey because uh, Barnabas was there to aid Paul in delivering the gospel to the lost. Uh, Barnabas uh, was an encourager, uh, and he exemplifies the scripture to us that two is better than one. For if one fall, mm, the other is there to what? Pick him up. Thank God for Barnabas. The second man's name was Simeon. Uh, and the Bible says that he was from Niger, which means he was a brother. He was black. And Africa, from North Africa. And scholars suggest that Simeon, this was the same Simeon that helped Jesus on the road to Calvary. For when Jesus stumbled with the cross, Simeon was there to help him pick it back up according to the scripture. Simeon tells us that people like Simeon are there to help you when you're in need. I know we're fasting and praying, but after we're done fasting and praying, someone is still going to need help in a time of need. Lucius was the third, and Lucius uh, is from Roman. He was from Rome. He was a Roman from Cyrene. Lucius, uh, scholars suggest, suggest that this was the same Lucius that wrote the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, uh, it tells us about the many wonders of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Luke was a physician. And Luke uh, tells us on tonight that what physicians do, physicians care and help those that are in what? Need. Oh, I, hope you're catching, I hope you're catching the vein in which the Spirit is taken is to help a brother in need. The fourth person was Manaim. Manaim was the foster brother of Herod the Antipas, the same Herod who beheaded John. Manaim grew up in the house of Herod. Interestingly, he reminds me, he parallels, his, his life parallels a little like Moses. Because Moses, the Bible says, grew up in Pharaoh's house. Uh, but when it became time for Moses to live out his purpose, Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Hebrews 4 and 25, check it out when you get home. Uh, because Moses understood that there were people that needed to be free. Moses understood that it wasn't just about him, that it was about the people. I don't know about you, but God has been ministering to me on this fast that it's not about me. It's about going out to free those that are lost with the word of God. Anybody believe that on tonight? Manaim, when he grew up, he chose not to associate himself with Herod the Antipas because Herod was after attacking the gospel. But Manaim was after furthering the gospel. And the fifth person in the text that tells us about the Antioch leaders of the church was Saul. Saul was a Pharisee from, the Bible says, Cilicia. We're going to talk about him a little later. Why, why, why take the time? Why specify these five leaders among all of the leaders at the church of Antioch? Because they all had different backgrounds. They all had different shades of colors. Uh, and God said, to, God said to me, Jay, he said, a diverse church is a dynamic church. And when I look around the room, I see different shades of color and people of different backgrounds. And God said, tell the people that this church, 
going to do some dynamic things this year. If you believe it, shout it. Strong, strong church is a disciplined church. For the past 15 days, we've been disciplined, fasting and praying. Anybody been doing it? Which leads me to my first point on tonight, which is fasting positions you for optimum service. Fasting and praying positions you for optimum service. Optimum meaning the greatest degree. During this fast, I've been watching a lot of uh, the late, great Miles Monroe. And he had an anointing that talked about consecration. Um, and, and in a video that I watched, uh, he gave the example of a pipe. And he said, uh, we the church are like a pipe. We individually are like a pipe. And praying and fasting is like Drano. And when you pray and you fast, you pour the, you, when you have a clog in the pipe, you pour Drano down. And the Drano washes and pushes out all the gunk and the junk that's inside of you so that the pipe is able to expand itself. And when the pipe is able to expand itself, water is able to move freely through it. And God said to me, he said, Jay, we're like, during this fasting and prayer, we're like pipes expanding our capacity for spiritual power. And he said the water is going to flow. Woo. I felt it on tonight. I don't know about you, but I felt the water, which is symbolizes the Holy Spirit flowing through the place because we've been making ourselves open and available to God. When you are solely open and complete for God, you are summoned to service for God. Because fasting and praying prepares you for activity with God. I don't know if you meant to have activity after the prayer and fast, but God told me to tell you, it's time for activity, baby. It's time for me to flow through you freely. It's time for this church to be known, God's work to be known in this city. It's time for God's work in this house to be known in this nation. Because of the sacrifice that has been made on the altar. Amen. Paul and Barnabas are a good, a good example of being summoned to service because in the third verse of the text that we just read, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit sends them out to Cyprus on their first missionary journey. Because after you've been powered up, you are called to go out. After you've been, after you've been leveled up, you are called now to go out and show the power that lives on the inside of you. Amen. This morning, uh, I got up a little earlier, received an encouraging call from my uncle, lives in Indiana, it's 6 a.m. I said, I got a lot of things to do with God before I get to work, so I said, he's talking to me, and uh, he's cracking jokes, he's laughing because he knows I'm asleep, and I'm like, Uncle Junior, um, um, the alarm just rung five seconds ago, and he's so happy, talking, hey, how are you? And the first thing he says, you're just like your grandfather's, being fruitful and multiplying. I heard you having another baby. And immediately the laugh came out. And I said, I got, I got too many things to do, but you, I got to go. So we talked for about five minutes, and it, it, it spruced me up for the day. So I got out the house about 640. I said, babe, I got to go, go to the gas station because I got to get fueled up. While at the gas station, uh, God spoke to me. 
Because when you're, when you're fasting and praying, he starts speaking to you with the weirdest and the strangest things. I don't know about y'all, but I'm like, God, I don't, I don't, like, man, this is crazy. It's like, like, man, you're going to talk to me all day like this? This is crazy. And, 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 and I'm at the gas station, and I, I give my car to the gas attendant, and I said, uh, put $20 in there. Because I only had a certain amount in my bank account. Y'all know what that's like. Uh-huh, payday's Friday. It's only a certain amount in there. So I said, uh, uh, $20. I, I roll the window up, and minutes go by. I'm listening to Miles Monroe, and minutes are going by. And I'm like, man, Miles, you're preaching to me, but I got to get on this road. And I look at the gas pump, and the gas pump is at $41 and counting. And I said to the gas attendant, I said, I only asked you. Mm, that's going to speak to you in a minute. I only asked you for $20. And the gas pump goes to $52. And I'm like, Jeep Grand Cherokee, please be finished being filled up. And it stops at $55. And I told you, I only had a specified amount in the account. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And, 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 and the Spirit spoke to me and said, I got it. Y'all ain't hear that. The Spirit spoke to me and said, I got it. And I said, I said what, do you, what do you mean? And, 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 and let me finish the story, and then I'll tell you, tell you how the Spirit had it. And, and the gas attendant comes back, and the Spirit said, say nothing to him. And you know I wanted to say something to him because I only had a specified amount in the account. Don't say nothing to it. The Spirit said, I got it. I said, okay. Uh, when I drove off, I gave him the card. He swiped the card, and I said, by faith. And, 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 and he swiped it, and I, got, I went, away, went, went about my business. And, and the Spirit spoke to me and said, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't catch what just happened. He said, uh, uh, tell the church that like we've been at the gas station for the, fat, for the past 15 days, and some of us asked God for a certain amount. God, I need you to do this and just that. God, I need you to do that and just that. God, I want to be closer to you on this level. And God says, I'm going to give you more than what you asked for. As a matter of fact, it's already taken care of because I'm a God of more. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I will provide and meet every need. If you believe it, tell God, thank you right now. He's the God of more. You're wondering how I paid for it. When I got to work, I checked the account, and there were these mysterious statement credits that were due, that all I needed to do was log in, and they would apply it to the statement. And God said, I told you, I got it. I don't know who that's for, but God told me to tell somebody today, he's got it. Whatever the need is, he's got it. Because you've been seeking, knocking. The door is open. I've got it. Look at somebody and say, he's got it. Don't say it if you don't mean it, because he's got it. Powered up. Powered up. Some strange things have been happening to me because I haven't been thinking the same way anymore. Not reacting to the familiar circumstances the same way anymore. Been more patience in my heart toward my family and the work that I'll do at school in my heart now. More love in my heart. When people turn their nose up at me, I don't respond the same way. I just say, God, 
You got it. Naturally, I've been sleeping better. Sleeping better. Going to bed at 1230. Because I was studying last night. I woke up and I said, man, I felt like I've been asleep since 8 a.m. Been more energized. The light has been shining because folk at work say, Cole, what's going on with you? And, and because I don't want to tell them much, I say, it's just something that God is doing in my life. They say, why aren't you eating all the candy? Because I'm on a fast. What's that? Consecration for God. They, take, they told me today, they said, Cole, uh, 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 when's a good time to come visit your church? And I laughed. <laughs> There's no better time to come than this Sunday. Because I'm expecting God to change anything and everybody that's connected to me. Is this making sense to y'all? Powered up, ready to win some territory and souls for the kingdom. I don't know about you, but he's called me to serve with more passion and to shine the light that's inside of me brighter this year. Move to the second point because time is not being friendly to me. Uh, my second point on tonight is that fasting and prayer primes you to obliterate satanic strongholds. Let me say that again. Satan, we coming. Fasting and prayer primes you to obliterate, to utterly destroy satanic strongholds. I'm in a text. Because if you look at Acts chapter 13, we only read the first three verses. But if you continue down in Acts chapter 13, the text will show you that Paul and Barnabas went to a city called Paphos. A city known for its immorality, its spiritual darkness. For you see, in that city, the worship of the goddess Venus was running rampant through the city gates. And people had a problem with sexual immorality. Open sin was exhibited. Kind of reminds me of like, it kind of reminds me of the attack that the enemy is trying to put on our young people today. Where pornography and the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh is being presented to them in different avenues. On social media, in movies, and TV shows. Whatever their eyes, uh, wherever their, whatever has access to their eyes, that sexual agenda is being presented to them. And I said, God, wow. He led me to some, some, some statistics. Let me get my tongue right. Statistics. Nine out of ten boys are exposed to pornography before 18. The first exposure of boys and girls on average occurs at 12 years old. 71% of teens have done something to hide their online inappropriate activity from their parents. 71%. Let me say that again. 71%. 7 out of 10 teens. And when I read that, I said, well, what are we to do about it, God? And God said, go back to the text. In Acts chapter 13, do what Paul and Barnabas did, which is to confront it. Face it head on. Because Paul and Barnabas didn't shy down from a confrontation. 
They didn't back down because they realized that it was their responsibility to confront, but to speak the power of God and show the love of God to a lost and dark city. Paul and Barnabas arrive there and they begin preaching the gospel. I don't know who this is for, but God told me to tell some parents in here to talk to your teens. Watch what they're viewing. Don't just trust them with a phone and then don't check the, the phone of, of what they've been browsing. You pay the bill. You check it. You know the password. You give them access between this hours, these hours and that hours and no more. Late up at night and they're supposed to be in bed. Like Paul and Barnes, but you confront them. I compel you in the name of the Lord to put that phone down now. I guarantee you they'll I guarantee you they'll put it away when you say I compel you in the name of the Lord. Paul and Barnabas arrived at Paphos and they began preaching. The Bible says, and something uh, interesting jumped out at jumps out, at, out to me in the text. It says that the government takes notice. The proconsul took notice of the words and the power that was coming out of Paul and Barnabas. The wisdom and the word of God was so evident in these men that the politicians of the day wanted to meet and get wisdom and counsel from the men of God. I wonder what will happen to this nation and to our cities and to our uh, towns and to our states when the people of God stand up and show the power that is on the inside of them until the point where the government says we want to know more about this Jesus that you preach and this Jesus that you live and this Jesus that you show the world about. It's inspiring that the government wants to know these men because it lets us know that the Holy Spirit gives us access to confront spiritual wickedness, as Paul puts it, in high places. They preach, and Elimus shows up. Sounded devilish, right? Elimus. The Bible calls him Elimus the sorcerer. Because anytime you go about doing the will of God, you will always face opposition. As a matter of fact, wherever there is likely to be great success, open doors and adversaries will both be found. I know you're thinking we're powered up during the fast, but after the fast, the opposition will come. But I don't know about you. I'm looking at these days as opposition as an opportunity for God to do the miraculous. A kite cannot get off the ground without wind, nor without a wind that drives against the kite. If you want the kite to fly, it needs wind. Now, if you're like me and you have no experience flying a kite, if I were to go out there tonight, I probably wouldn't get it off the ground, probably about maybe one time, but then the wind would knock it back down. But I wouldn't give up. I would get back up and what? Try it. Again, and if I got knocked back down, I would get back up and try it again. Getting down and getting going down and getting back up. God spoke to me and said, that, that was my son. Went down to come back up. Went back down to go back 
up. He left heaven to come down to shine the light. Went back up to the cross. Gave himself up to go back down only to get back up. I don't know who I'm talking to, but it's time for you to get up. If you ain't joined the fast, I encourage you to join the fast. We're on day 15, and we have how many days left? Three? Three days left. Woo, just like Jesus. After three days, ah, he rose with all power. Look at somebody and say power in his hand. That's not in my notes. Charge it to Jesus. The sorcerer, Elimus, comes with his abracadabra. And Paul says, the hand of the Lord be against you. Didn't lay hands. He just said, the hand of the Lord is against you. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I'm very descriptive. I can imagine Paul standing there and looking at Elimus in his face. Elimus had his crowd of magicians and sorcerers around him, and they were probably chanting. And Paul and Barnabas are standing there, two verse many. And Paul says to him, the hand. And I can see Paul's hand, but I can see a greater hand behind Paul. And when Paul says the hand of the Lord be upon you, the Bible says that Elimus was struck with blindness. Because when you're an enemy, you can't, the devil can't stand in the presence of God and be successful. I don't know about you, but I feel like the strength that God has given me has allowed me to go to work and tell those kids when they're acting up the hand of the Lord. You'd be surprised at what I see with throwing chairs and screaming and hollering. And I turn on my music. Break every chain. Break every chain. And I say the hand of the Lord. I don't say it physically, but in my heart, the hand of the Lord. And some stop because they look at me. Dean Cole, what's wrong with you? They don't understand what's happening. Because greater is he that's inside of me. Then he, that's in the world, I dare you the next time uh, uh, you come across a situation that seems like it's overwhelming, the hand of the Lord. Pastor, Pastor touched me when he was talking about Abraham. I said, man, he's all in it. The hand of the Lord. Your house acting up, the hand of the Lord. And watch God. Watch God move. Reminds me of David. When he fought Goliath, said, you come for my head with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come in the name of the Lord. HPC, it's time for us to take what's rightfully ours. A generation of youth that needs guidance, it's time for us to take what's rightfully ours. It's time for us to break every cycle and generational curse. Every thought, every feeling that is contrary to our God must be stopped because the hand of the Lord uh, is upon us. The Bible encourages us that the weapons of our warfare, prayer and fasting, uh-huh, uh-huh, prayer and fasting, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but are mighty through the pulling, what? Down of strongholds. Ephesians 6 and 12. Miss D, can you take us there to Ephesians 6 and 12? Pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down, hmm. Pulling down a stronghold must mean that it's, above, it's, it's up. It's high. Which is why the author of Ephesians tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness where? In high places, which is why he says we pull them down. Next verse. That's it? We'll stay there then. Paul says to us that we pull the strongholds down because even the vilest people of open sin and Paphos couldn't compare with the heart and message that Paul and Barnabas brought, which is the message of the cross. And I came today to tell somebody that the cross still changes. The cross still breaks the yoke and sets the captive free. Ooh, that's our theme for this year. What? Freedom. The cross has given us freedom. Which leads me to my third point on tonight, which is fasting and prayer produces a transformed believer. Can you put that up for me, Ms. D? Fasting and prayer produces a transformed believer. Romans, can we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and we're going to read three verses. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 3. I'll be out of your way in 10 minutes. Y'all doing okay? Right, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, and here it is. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the, I urge you, I compel you, I encourage you, I would like for you, Please do this. I beckon you. I'm trying to pull out all the synonyms that I learned from that English college degree at Rowan University. <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Next verse. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Next verse. For I say... Through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. My third point is that fasting and prayer produces a transformed life. Paul knows this because of his own transformation. And we're in Acts chapter 13, but if you have time tonight, rewind. Go back to Acts chapter 7, and it talk, and you see that Paul stones uh, one of the uh, most well-known deacons of the Bible, Stephen. This begins the persecution of the, of the church, which causes widespread of the church. They were spread out in Paul's day because of Saul, in Saul's day because he was known as Saul when he was persecuting the Christians. They were spread out because they were being persecuted on every side. But I believe that in the midst of their persecution, somebody in the church was praying. And I believe somebody in the church was fasting. For God to raise up another leader. Little did they know that the leader that they were praying for was the same man that was persecuting them. Have you ever been the recipient of strange favor? Or have you ever been uh, uh, the, recipient, the, re the recipient 
of unmerited grace and mercy. Given another chance at life, though you didn't deserve it. Why? Because the old mothers in the church used to say, used to tell me, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. Ooh, somebody know it. Somebody know that song. Old church. Somebody prayed. They were praying for a leader, and God raises up Saul. Because Saul's name means asked for or inquired of God. So Saul's name is an example of what God can do when the church or when the people of God begin to pray. Because when the people of God begin to pray, God answers their prayer. God answers their prayer in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. Saul is on his way to persecute Christians. And the Bible says that a light shines at him on his road to killing more Christians. Saul didn't ask for this meeting with God. He wasn't given the chance to RSVP because his presence was demanded. Because somebody somewhere was in their closet praying. And Saul had no choice but to have his life impacted by prayer. Because the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man maketh available much what? Power. So you want your kids to change? Get in your closet and get down on your knees. You can talk to them and correct them, but in the closet... Where it's just you and God, God says that the prayer of a righteous availeth much. So my prayer gives me access to power that's going to change the situations that I'm praying for. And if they continue to act up, they do like my parents did. Go back and pray for them. Folk acting up at your job, go to your closet. Don't talk about them. Go to your closet and talk to the one that has the power to change every situation. I don't know about you, but that feels like a good posture. In my closet praying. Not in my closet trying to find my next outfit. I'm in my closet and I'm what? Praying. In my closet and I'm praying. Wait, 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 wait. God just gave me something. In my closet and I'm praying because when I'm, I'm, when I'm praying, I, I, when I get back up, I'm in a what? Starting what? Position. So God is saying, each time you go in the prayer closet, every time you come out, you're ready to run the race. As Paul said, that is set before me. And when I'm running the race, the race is already won because Christ already won the battle. My job is to be spiritually disciplined. My abs are getting worked out up here. But I think, I think you guys got it. I think you guys got it. Saul's life is transformed on the road to Damascus. And Saul's life is an example. It speaks volumes to me because it tells me that I serve a God that's gracious and merciful. A God that's forgiving. 
I serve a God that specializes in spiritual detailing. He service, he, the service that he provides me cleans me out. The service that he provides with me uh, allows me to not look like what I've been through. The service that he provides me with allows me to shine bright. That's what detailing does to a car. It makes it shine bright. And during these 15 days, I don't know about you, uh, but I feel a light shining bright. God's transformation in the life of Saul, who became Paul, allows us to know, as Paul wrote, to forget those things that are behind me and reach for those things that are before me. Anybody still in the house? I'm closing. There's another man in this text who put in some work along with Paul. His name was Barnabas. Acts chapter 4 verse 36 tells us that the apostles and the disciples called him the son of encouragement. But in Greek, it actually means paraklesis. Paraklesis. Paraklesis describes the act of calling people to together. Paraclesis describes the act of calling people closer together, a closer intimacy, and a stronger comfort. In biblical days, whenever the people were called together, it was referred to as a solemn assembly, a fast where people experienced a closer intimacy with God, but also a clo closer intimacy with each other. And one of my favorite movies Remember the Titans. Anybody ever seen it? Remember the Titans. It can't be my favorite movie because the last word Titans just is not sitting well with me these days. Because the Titans defeated my Chiefs in the playoffs. And can I say this? That fasting, fasting cleanses you out spiritually but also uh, 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 heals you emotionally. And during this fasting prayer, God has healed me from the devastating loss. That's a story for another time. I don't even want to go into it. It's fascinating. Prayers healed my heart. In this movie, there's one scene that sticks out to me where Coach Denzel washes and takes the players and remember the Titans up on a mountain. He takes them up on a mountain away from their surroundings because there was too much tension between uh, the different shades of color of players on the team in the movie. So he said, in order for us to grow. In order for us to become what we need to become, I have to take you away from everything that you know and all those who know you. In other words, I'm going to cut the access that the outside world has from you or to you so that you can, we can grow together. Sounds a lot like what we've been doing together as a family, as a church. We've been away on a mountain, fasting and praying together for God to draw us closer, for us to go higher. Look at somebody and say, we're going higher. Takes them away. Coach Denzel takes them away. And he leads them up to my favorite scene in the movie, uh, to a battlefield uh, where there were, where there were uh, gravestones. And he explains to the team that this field that you're standing on is the Battle of Gettysburg. 
one of the most important battles during the Civil War. What is a Civil War? Civil War is an internal, internal fight. And the coach, Denzel, says, if we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we will be destroyed. I'm not saying that if we don't come together, HBC, that we will be destroyed. But what I am saying is that the place of unity is the place where strength is breeded. I am saying together we stand, divided we fall. Paul says it better than me, so let's go to, can we go to one more text? Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 5. After he tells us to be, after he beseeches us and after he tells us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the new mind, he tells us in verse 3. Uh, can you go to verse 4? We read that. Next verse, he tells us this. Paul says it better than I could ever say it. For we, as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Next verse. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of one another. This is speaking to unity. You have a gift. I have a gift. When we put it together, God gets the glory. I won't step in your lane. You won't step in my lane. Because we realize that even though we serve the same God, we have different gifts. But when those gifts get together, when, when all the God's people get on one accord, power is seen. Oh, you don't believe me. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, when they're all one accord. And one mind, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came in as a rushing, mighty, what? When? When they, all, when they were all on one accord. Unity. Miles Monroe told me this morning on, the, on YouTube, he said, when you're fasting and praying, it draws you closer to God. But it also attracts spirits, demonic spirits. So I want to let the church to know on the night be aware. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be aware. I, I feel the team. I feel the family. Don't, I, I feel it. We see it. But the Holy Spirit told me to remind, remind them where there is unity, there is strength. One more scripture. Let's look at what Jesus says. John chapter 17. I normally don't have this many verses. But pastor told me to say, he said, Jay, I want you to teach on tonight. I said, I don't know if I can do that. I said, but I'm going to give it a go. John chapter 17, verse 20. And we're going to go home. John 17, verse 20. Musicians, can you come help me? It says, Jesus says, neither, I, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Next verse. That they all may be what? One. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you have sent me. Next verse. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Mm, I don't know about you, but I felt some of that glory on tonight in the place because there's a oneness that's in the atmosphere. And Jesus says that they may be what? One. Even as we are one. So I came today not only to encourage you to be one, but I came today to warn you that if Jesus' prayer was for us to be one, when those who go against us becoming one, they're not following Jesus' prayer. That's straight text. And God says, Jay, tell the people, 
unity. Well, what breeds strength? What breeds unity that breeds strength? Strong communication. Mm -hmm. Being open and honest with one another, but sharing it in love. What breeds unity? Encouragement. You did an awesome job up there. God is using you miraculously. God is doing a good work in your life. You are doing a good job. Encouragement. What else breeds unity? Contributing. Because I already told you earlier that fast, prayer and fasting uh, puts you in position for activity with God. So if you've been praying and fasting, be ready to get involved in the church. Be ready to contribute to the church. Because there's work to be done. Amen? Amen. Let's close this. Ms. D, can you go to the slide? The slide that says, that talks about review of the points. Talks about fasting, my point, my first point, which was fasting, positioning you for optimum service. I'll, we're down, we're down, okay, that's fine. I'll, 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 I'll uh, state them to you. Fasting positions you for optimum service, which, my, which was my first point. And what I wanted you to, I underlined it on this, on the, uh, in the slideshow, it said optimum. Positions you for your best service. Point number two, fasting and prayer primes you. I had prime underlined. Primes you to obliterate satanic strongholds. And point number three, Fasting and prayer produces a transformed believer. Hmm. Optimum primes transformed. The sermon title was We Are Transformers. Transform. Look at somebody and say, I'm a transformer. I'm a transformer. I'm not of this world. Jesus said, we are not of this world. We are in the world, but we are not of this world. I'm a transformer because the power is on the inside, like transformers. What did Paul say? I'm not ashamed of the, of the gospel, for it is the power that's hidden on the inside of me in my heart to bring salvation to a lost world. I am a transformer. I adjust and change when needed. What did Paul say? I am free. I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to win all people. I became all things so that I may win all people. I am a what? Transformer. The earth is not my home. What did Jesus say? Here we don't have an enduring world but we seek the world which is to come. And while we're seeking the world which is to come, we're transforming everything that our hands and feet touch and go. I don't know about you, but God is calling us to transform cities. That was about two people. God is calling us to transform towns. God is calling us to transform lives because the power is on the inside of us. I am a transformer. And this prayer and fast has given me a spark.
Y'all spark. Giving me power. Power to tread over what others trip on. Power to overcome what others can't defeat. Power to be the man and the woman of God that he's called me to be. I am a transformer. And how am I transformed? I was going to bring a meal and put it on the table, but I didn't want to tempt nobody tonight because you're transformed by praying, but also by fasting. Mark 9 and 29, the disciples came to a boy who was demon-possessed and couldn't get him out. Couldn't get the demon out. What did Jesus say? These kind only come by what? Fasting <laughs> and prayer. Fasting and prayer. The reason why I'm repeating it is because what, that's what he wants, to do, wants us to do in these last three days, but also in the days to come. Because if I'm transformed, the way I stay transformed is by staying in the closet. Because each time I go to the closet, I receive new revelation. Each time I go to the closet, I receive new strength. Each closet, I, each time I go in the closet, I receive something fresh, something new. You know what that's a lot like? It's a lot like the internet page. The internet page is when we click on the internet page. After a while, you have to what? Refresh the page. There's an icon in the toolbar that you have to press. And each time I get in the closet, <laughs> he's refreshing me. I can't work off, Pastor said it, I can't work off last year's revelation because I have to be refreshed. I have to be transformed. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not conform to the patterns of the world. Well, how do you not conform to the ways of the world when it's always in my face? I'm in the closet because it allows me not to conform to what I see, but to live based off what he says. Conformed and then transformed by the renewing of my mind. My mind is renewed when I'm in a closet because prayer changes things. Anybody been praying? Come on, stand to your feet. Anybody been praying? Anybody been fasting? Anybody receive a word on tonight? Anybody receive a word on tonight? If you receive the word on tonight, take about 10 seconds and give God some praise in this place. Where are my free people at? Where are the people? Where are the transformers? Because if you're transformed, you'll take time to thank the God who does.